for this morning's reflective reading, I have chosen to share with you some comments of my own students on their thinking of religion, spirit, faith, and the unknown. I would define religion as the practices it takes to further the cause of ultimate concern. I believe if someone truly believes something, that person will act out what is necessary to achieve or support his ultimate best or her ultimate best. At this time in my life, I would say that religion is a strong set of beliefs that are not only believed in, but are lived and allow humans to grasp what is the purpose of their lives. I am generally skeptical of organized religion, and I do not identify with any one religion. I am a think-for-yourself kind of person. I ask questions, and I question absolute statements. I believe in God. For me, that is a fact I cannot get around, and I believe that I have felt the touch of something far higher and much greater than I could ever be. Whether it is Paul Tillich defining faith as ultimate concern or William James discussing a mystical experience, I believe that my experience of the holy has changed my life as others with their own mystical experiences and that lead them to believe what they believe. Religion is a lifelong journey of self-discovery and self-improvement. I used to think that religion was a view or belief in God, but since I have taken this course, I see religion as that which pushes someone to a higher cause, and it doesn't even have to be what they call spiritual in nature. I am very happy to be here back at All Souls again this morning. It has been a while since I have had the honor to preach to you as a congregation, and I thank you for inviting me. And I thank Pam for the nice introduction she gave me earlier this morning. If you had just read the title and description of this morning's sermon in the newsletter, or in the order of worship as you sat in the pew, many things might have come to your mind. You might have asked yourself, how do I define religion? Or perhaps you thought this sermon will explore several definitions offered by philosophers, theologians, sociologists, and then I would offer a definition that I find acceptable. And you would be somewhat correct but I do not want this to be solely an intellectual and scholarly investigation of the term religion. I do intend to do something different. You see, I use questions as a means of education and as a means of provoking curiosity and creative thinking on the part of my students. 
I use questions in both my religion and in my comp classes at Southern Arkansas University. And as I was considering the focus of this sermon, I began to go back into my memory of what kinds of discussions, projects, and papers I use to get my students to move out of their comfort zones, especially when it comes to living in today's world, and to entice them to consider the content of their attitudes and beliefs and where they want to go next in that realm of action and thought. So please, let me share with you a couple of brief narratives as examples of what happens in my classes. One such story revolves around a classic response that often comes from some of my students in my comp classes. In my writing classes, my students are offered the opportunity to express their positions in various kinds of writing assignments, dealing with particular controversies of today's society. Now, one such controversy uh, springs from the issues of the suppression of women's rights here in our own nation. Now, early in the readings and conversations, the term feminist comes to the fore. And some of the young men in my class kind of balk at that word, usually because of a misconception of the meaning of that word. And then after going through a discussion and an exercise that requires that they look up the word in the dictionary, they get, then begin to realize more often than not that they agree with a feminist position and would no longer even be embarrassed to use the word or even maybe admit to being a feminist. You see, they thought if one was a feminist, one was feminine. And no young man uh, just out of high school, whether his gender preference, really wants to be considered feminine. And yet, these same young men do believe that women should have equal rights, and they should be allowed to vote and pursue the work they want. Now, they may have questions about women doing heavy physical work or fighting on a battlefield, but they really think that a woman should be paid the same as a man for the same work, and so on. Well, anyway, after diffusing their misconceptions concerning the word feminist, they find that they do enjoy the readings and writing about how they feel about those and many other issues of the day. And I must say, male and female, that my students are very open to equal rights for women, gays, and the multiplicity of cultural diversity in this country. They are informed about the job market and how they are affected by legislation concerning student loans. And as you have heard, I'm sure, and read about the young people in this country, especially since after the um, 2012 election, Young people, and my students are among them, do care about issues of how to make this place a better and more egalitarian world and how to stop the exploitation of our earth. And what I find in my religion classes, my students can see that these issues have been deeply affected by religion and institutions of religion. 
both for good and for bad. Now, very often, I will introduce my, the, the, my, the first session in my religion class and the semester with the words that make up the title of this sermon. What is religion? And I get a variety of interesting answers. One such day was the first session for my course in Introduction to World Religions class. That particular day, after going over the syllabus and the assignment schedule, I asked the proverbial question, what is religion? Or how would you define religion? I got many responses. Some in the spiritual or personal vein, some were theological, and some were sociological in nature, and some did not answer at all. And then I asked, before I went to the list of the answers I had on the board, did anybody else have anything to say? And at that moment, I looked towards the back of the room, and I saw a young man who looked thoughtful and as if he were on the verge of wanting to say something. And I asked him how he would answer my question, and he did answer with a short and very provocative response. Religion, he said, is an excuse for war. He said it simply, quietly, and with great conviction. And of course, that was the statement that evoked the most responses from others in the class. And I took great pleasure in the discussion that followed. That young man was an English major, and he had taken the course because he was very curious about the content. And also, his father was a minister, and this young man was questioning the faith of his upbringing. He wasn't hostile. He was just a thinker. Well, after that course, he decided to minor in philosophy and religious studies. Religious, religion is a very intriguing subject for many of our students at SAU and everywhere. And those who take my courses come from a broad spectrum of majors. They range in a variety from the humanities majors to education, science and technology, and business. Their attitude towards religion also have a broad range from conservative to liberal. The one attitude they seem to have in common is that they are open-minded toward other religions. They really want to learn what others believe and how other cultures differ from ours and also how similar they are to ours. Well, after that initial discussion, and depending on which course I am teaching, I do offer several ways of defining religion from a vast array of thinkers, theologians, and members of other disciplines. We cover the thinking of a Malcolm X to Mary Daly, from Carl Sagan to Richard Dawkins. And in my Intro to World Religions class, we look at the definition offered by the writer and editor of their text, William A. Young. He says, religion is human transformation in response to perceived ultimacy. As with all texts that present historical, culture, and theological contents of what are known as the world's major religions and also of more localized religions, 
He presents how all these religions, in one way or another, demonstrate the major components of his definition. Most texts like this one take a broad sociological view of religion as a cultural phenomenon. Religion is human transformation in response to perceived ultimacy. This is short, focused, and each word is very important. Jung says that religion is a human phenomenon, a point most sociologists and most 20th and 21st century theologians also assert. He uses the word transformation, and that certainly is in tune with religions from the East and the West because all religions want to help the individual and the community to change and change behavior. Individuals and communities need to live according to moral criteria so they can commune and become part of that which is holy, whatever the culture or religion defines as holy. The Tao asserts that one must be in tune with the ebb and the flow of life, to create harmony in the universe. The Buddha also states that in order to attain nirvana, one must abandon all that keeps us from seeing the, real, the reality of life. And the Abrahamic religions maintain that the community and the person must live a certain way to eventually get to paradise and also make sure that the life of the individual and community must follow certain rules for the moral life, as prescribed by Moses, the prophets, Jesus of Nazareth, and Muhammad. All these rules not only bring one in tune with the holy or the better life, but also create a change from the evils that now exist and a way to eliminate them. This transformative experience allows the community or the individual to be with and in good relationship to the perceived ultimacy. The word perceived gives a broad understanding of the ultimate reality of the holy, to borrow a phrase from Paul Tillich. Each religion has a concept of an ultimate reality but each gives its own mythic spin on what that ultimate reality is. Students who sign up for courses in religion usually have an attitude that is um, that some, in varying degrees, that of the seeker or the adventurer. Several are seeking ways to take that faith tradition they grew up with and find new ways to apply um, to apply it to today's world. Or they are seeking a new way or religion that fits better with how they view today's world. All are willing to take the chance that somehow there will be a change or growth in their individual and religious spiritual perspective. Most, I am happy to say, are not there to just justify their already internal and long-standing and long-held beliefs. Now, just having said that, most really leave my class with a broader understanding of religion on the whole, and a great many find this exploration of religions gives them the realization 
that a good deal of what they already believe or their, in faith tradition, or their inherited faith traditions are enriched with new discoveries and with a greater understanding of their own faith, personal or, and personal or spiritual journeys. Those who take philosophy of religion encounter, from a world religion's perspective, how theologians, scholars, and philosophers come to the conclusions they do in relation to the great religious questions of the world. That is, the con- they, they learn about the contrast and comparison of the concepts of faith versus reason, questions of morality and ethics, and about the belief or disbelief in a divinity beyond this world. The God debate is one that fascinates my students, and I always have an assignment in relation to their question. Sometimes I show a particular film, which is entitled The Question of God. This film resolves around a course taught by a professor of religion and psychology at Harvard. In this film is a a documentary acted out um, is the biography and an exploration of the philosophies of two great men and thinkers, Sigmund Freud and C.S. Lewis, one an atheist and one a theist. This film gives the viewer a deep exploration of how these two enlightened and brilliant men came to the conclusions concerning the existence of God. And my students are always impressed with the integrity of both men and their intellectual honesty. Another time, they were given the opportunity to choose one of two books that dealt with the same debate. And after reading their choice, they were to write a critical analysis of the text and the assumptions of the writers. One book was written by an atheist and the other a theist. The theist is a contemporary Christian theologian And the title of the book was Letters from a Doubting Thomas. The other book, The God Delusion by Richard Dawkins. I was very impressed with that class because those who were theists chose to read Richard Dawkins and those who considered themselves atheists or questioners chose to read the book by the theistic theologian. The papers demonstrated that each student read carefully and with an open mind. And then one thing happened, which I was expected, which I expected in all of their papers. No one person really changed his or her mind about how he or she felt about, felt concerning the major issue. But they did have a better appreciation and understanding of the point of view that was opposite his or hers. Though I am careful not to interject much of my own theological and spiritual perspectives into the course, I find my students are curious about my faith tradition, and I usually tell them that my faith is in line with the perspectives of the Unitarian Universalist Association. And then I leave them to their own devices to seek out the Unitarian Universalist website. And many do search out that website, and many come to me with questions. I also use some of our UU scholars and ministers as sources for the content. In my Death and Dying and World Religions course, I I require that they read Forrest Church's book on death and love. And in my Introduction to World Religions, 
where they have to choose among several books to read to write a paper. Among those choices is Scotty McLennan's book, Finding Your Own Religion. And a good number of those students read that book. It is gratifying to me that our students at SAU and younger people are becoming so global in their thinking and that I can in some way contribute to that growth. The concepts that are articulated in Jung's definition of religion seem to echo the sentiments of our own Unitarian Universalist understanding of religion. For we are dedicated to the fact that religious truth takes many cultural and mythic forms. As a denomination, we see the, pos the potential for the transformational aspect of great, great religion. We see changing the world to become a better place is part of our focus. And we honor many of those who offer us hope because of their actions and their own hope and faith. People like Gandhi, Martin Luther King Jr., Susan B. Anthony, they are good examples that present that message, not just to the younger people in our world, but to all of us who live in hope for change, that people can change in how we treat one another and all of humankind on this planet. Again, I wish to end my comments with a few more statements from my own students who took courses in religious studies in my, at SAU, and I have two of them. The first comes from Jonathan Carroll, and I think his first sentence will give you an insight as, as to, I mentioned him before in my sermon. Anything that has the power to cause war, inspire hope, decimate an entire culture, and still has the ability to raise people up from the depths of sorrow, needs to be studied. When someone makes the choice to learn about another religion, that person is generally opening his or her eyes and expanding that person's worldview. He or she is no longer limited necessarily to the faith in which he or she was raised at home nor tied to those values that were taught. People who study another religion are stepping outside of themselves and reaching toward the divine in all its aspects. It is like walking a mile in someone else's shoes in order to better understand what is beyond a human, another human being's experience. And then from a young woman in my class, Mitzi Griffin, who went from SAU to the University of Arkansas in Little Rock as a law student. Before this class, I didn't see anything liberating about religion. It seemed to me that religions were just a group of people believing in someone else's historic attempts to answer life's unanswerable questions. Although I haven't strayed far from that position, I have discovered certain ways that religion can be liberating to those who are oppressed by certain norms in society. This course has taught me religion doesn't necessarily cause oppression, but it's people believing that their interpretations of that religion are the only right interpretations and forcing everyone else to live by them. This class has taught me to listen to myself, 
trust myself, and be open, open to learning new ideas and be opening, open to seeing how I see the world.